Four guys with three decades of friendship, located across two states with one bond. Grab your drink of choice and join the conversation. Welcome to Brotherhood of Banter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brotherhood of Banter. And uh, gathered here with everybody, we have uh, Mr. Healthy Extraordinaire Ricardo, Mr. Creativity Diego, Mr. Magnificent, Magnificent Builder Eddie, and myself, Mr. Gamer, a.k.a. Computers, a.k.a. Sees It and Eats It. <laughs> How are you guys, wow. are you guys hey, doing this week? Pizza man, what? Hello, everyone. Uh, How's everybody doing? I'm doing okay. Ed the Builder. <laughs> i don't know why but i got some energy today I'm yeah excited yeah. have you gotten wow. some sleep possibly i don't know uh, that, that usually helps not really oh really i think i got used to it <laughs> god so <laughs> how was everybody's week weekend all of the it was above? good man it was good i i got out for the first time here to tampa to like downtown since uh since stuff started opening up again and uh so my girlfriend Gwen and I just went around and we walked around the Tampa River Walk and it was great, man. I had some stuff to eat, had a few drinks in different spots, took a little uh, water taxi, um, and then got caught in the rain. No riot fights. No, no what riot fights? No riot fights for you. You didn't. You didn't get involved. No, man. No, no. I just go to that by myself. <laughs> I tend not to do it when the ladies. Hey, let me tell you, man. Tampa, <laughs> Tampa, uh, man. What's going on over there, man? I've seen some people like. Like it's pretty crazy in in terms of like uh, I think the the looting, or or the right fighting, I think I mean, it's the looting. It was it was like a few weeks ago when when stuff really started popping off. Like there was they were burning some stuff some stuff down here around the, yeah, dude. around the USF campus. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, it was pretty bad. Yeah, but but right now, as far as I'm concerned, things are. Things are pretty chill. They lifted a curfew about a couple of weeks back, and it's pretty chill. It was fine when we went down there. Okay, maybe it's uh, I guess the news is exaggerating a little bit because, or maybe but, showing old footage. I don't know. No, no, from Miami it looked. No, no, I'm, I'm saying like what overall what happened, you know. Oh. Uh here in Miami, it kind of looked like you guys were having a really uh, pretty bad one over there. A couple of weeks back, yeah. Right right now. It's, it's like the, the chill downtime before they put us back in the house for quarantine. Because <laughs> they're having so many outbreaks again. They're going to send yeah. everybody back. Yeah, man. We got to wait to see if um, if it's due to the fact that now there's more tests available. So now, of course, more people are going to pop up as having it who didn't know they had it because they were asymptomatic. Uh, or whether it's all just really due to brand new cases, you know, like... It's just spreading because things are opening up again. Yeah, we got a we got a well, I got two scares this weekend. On Friday, we headed up to Port Charlotte, and it was like a two three hour drive. We went up there, and as we're getting there, like shortly after, we were going to visit Ingrid's son and his wife mm -hmm. and the baby. So we went up there, we said hello to them, and we were planning on going to the pool. So we didn't bring our bathing suits, so we made a quick run to to Walmart. As we're going over there, her sister calls us up and tells us that uh, she came out positive. 
for, mm. wow. for the virus. Yeah. So mm. we got Wait, scared because we're like, shoot, you know, like, well, the last time we saw her was at yeah. some point in the funeral. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to have happened a few days ago when she works for a lawyer for an, like, as an assistant. But the same building is with a, like a medical facility. So I guess someone came in there and, and you know, she she has like um, she has asthma. So it was easy for her to get it. Everybody else came out negative. Mm-hmm. And then crazy enough, the following day, we're going to breakfast. And my boss calls me up and tells me that someone in the store that I'm working out busted out with being positive. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so this is how 2020 is going to continue. I was wondering what June was going to bring. <laughs> and there you go. It's a price cases. That's what 2020 brings. Yeah. June. Mm. COVID. So, COVID Ricky, after you, man. Ricky, how was your weekend? Good, man. I celebrated my brother's birthday. How my bro, my bro turned 42. Oh, wow. Yeah, turned 42, man. So we, we, uh, we did a celebration. Um, I was about to say, him. wait, 42, really? And then I remembered I was 37. So, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that... we, we ordered some grass, uh, Argentinian, what is it called? Argentinian, uh, not paella, but it's called uh, asado, asado, you know? Okay. Parillada, there you go, parillada. Parillada, parillada. yeah, parillada. Oh, that's nice. That's what's up, man. Yeah, dude. So we had uh, chunchulini and uh, what'd you call me? Vacío. <laughs> you had morcilla. Uh, morcilla, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't eat morcilla, but uh, yeah, we had morcilla. And uh, what else? What else? Rice. Oh man, it was good. Morcilla. You know, morcilla. I used so I grew up on that stuff because it's very common in Colombia, right? Really? And um. And I loved it, legitimately loved it. I would look forward to it any time that I could eat it until I saw the process of it being made from beginning. <laughs> I spent I spent a, a Christmas when I was I think wow dude was it when I was nineteen the last time that I've been that I was in Colombia. Um, I spent Christmas with my father's side of the family, and it turns out that they're a pretty large family, so they always, at least back then, they used to buy a pig and mm-hmm. slaughter it themselves. And like, you know, chop it up and make all the stuff that you make off of one whole pig. Mm-hmm. And so I participated in the killing of the thing. Because uh, I, I was one of the bigger, you know, humans in the thing. And so and so I saw the whole thing from when you kill the living creature to when you gut the, <laughs> you know, the intestines to when you start making morcilla out of them and the dried blood with the rice and all that. Trauma, stuff. trauma. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. From there on, never, never again have I eaten. All right, don't watch how they do hot dogs then, because yeah, you'll never eat another that. hot dog in your life. I'll pass on that. So the whole family nuggets. win, Ricky? Uh, yeah, yeah. My brother, well, obviously, you know, my brother's Your family. brother was there? Yeah, my brother was there. And uh, yeah, yeah. My, uh, so uh, my brother's family, my three nieces, his wife, uh, and then our direct family, my sister, me, and my parents. So it was it was just us, you know. It was just us. It was just a pretty small group, but uh, we we had a we had a lot of fun, man. That's good. Lots of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Family time is always good. Yeah. How about you, Louis? Oh, pretty good time, man. Like, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Saturday, the wife went with her um, girlfriends to the beach. So then that gave me time to play video games and eat junk food. <laughs> so I had five guys. Ghost Recon. Uh, 
and that was damn good. You had five guys, like five dudes over playing with you? (laughs) (laughs) No, man, it's just I haven't eaten five guys in a long time. So (laughs) it was good to have. uh, I thought you had five friends over, man. No, no. Yeah, it wasn't the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what else? Um, And then just regular tours around the house, but uh, nothing crazy. I debated about going to Philly, but did not. So Pick up uh, a sandwich? Yeah, I figured it's on my to-do, so probably this weekend, because um, uh, the weekend after, uh, the next week, I have to start going back into the data center, back into mm-hmm. work, right? because uh, um, uh, my kid's out of school, so then there's no reason for me to be home anymore. So, oh, off to work again. Son of a gun. Hey, Louis, so you go to Philadelphia to pick up that Philly, Philly sandwich? Yeah, yeah, Dang. exactly. Shoot. You travel state to state then, huh? Yeah. Man, man. Just to pick up a Philly sandwich. Yep. <laughs> that thing must be it's good. It's pointless to have one here. It really is. <laughs> do you do it on a helicopter or, or a fast bike? Two no. reasons you travel across state borders, man. That's either to get a sandwich or to get a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Make sure wow. you only stick to one, Louis. No picking up ladies. i'm glad you guys had a good time yeah we did some family time as well like i said we went up to uh port charlotte on friday Mm -hmm. and we got that bad news on the way but we made the best of it so we kind of just stayed in on on friday night saturday morning we ended up going to um to cracker barrel i hadn't Mm. been there in a while so i had the the big boy or whatever it's called it's like Mm -hmm. a steak with three eggs grits uh pancakes and some other stuff that place is bomb man hey you guys ate inside inside the restaurant but it was only six max which was great because we were like six and a half because of the baby but Mm. uh, we started off our day with that and then um sophie's dad actually joined us over there because they were somewhere in orlando so him and his girlfriend Mm -hmm. came over and we all crashed at uh, her son's house so it was great man we had Mm -hmm. a good time there was a lot of eating. We went to Cracker Barrel. We went to IHOP. We went to this Mexican place where I showed you the margarita. And uh, we went to a, we ordered from a diner. Like, I'm telling you, all I did was eat. Like, it was like Jeez, my body man. wasn't healing from one meal to the other. Man, so no wonder you look all big, man. You look like a tank. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it worked that way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we started planning on 4th of July over there. Um, Ingrid's daughter-in-law... Her family lizard too with her sister and uh, her parents and everything so her mm-hmm. sister and her husband you know they're really cool people and um they kind of gave us a tour of the place they showed us how how you can have a good time in such a small town and charlotte, now North they're carolina i mean uh, south carolina no uh, port charlotte it's oh like port three charlotte, hours okay. yeah yeah it's like three hours away but everybody's like you know uh it's really slow there's not much to do but uh, from what I see, they're going to, like, next time we go, we're going up for the 4th of July. They got, like, great beaches. We're going to go to a bar where you can throw uh, axes. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to go to the flea markets because I want to pick up uh, a couple more collectibles. Son of a gun. Just don't hit me with it. <laughs> um, we went to the mall. I found the FYE store over there, which I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Right. So it was, there was a How lot of good pickups. FYE? Yeah. What is that? Uh, for your info. For your entertainment or something? Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. they had a lot of cool stuff, a lot of figures. They had some pops. Um, I picked up yep. some He-Man um, old classic action figures. 
to add to mm -hmm. the collection. So yeah, so I, me talking to uh, her her sister and uh, and her husband, like we just planned it out to just lose some weight and get in better shape for the Fourth of wow. July. That's like our goal. So when we head up the beach, Fourth of uh, July, fifteen days. Uh, yeah, I think we got a little bit more than that. But um, yeah. yeah, we planned it out, trying to keep them motivated. So they started listening to the podcast. So shout out to you, Andy and Jackie. And, shout out, yeah. shout out. Andy, so, yeah, so it was a it was a good weekend. <laughs> Came back uh, yesterday, and yeah, it was relaxing. We hit up the pool. Mm -hmm. so, gotcha. Did a, a backflip or stuff. did a backflip huh? on the pool? No, I did a front flip. Uh, the pool wasn't deep enough. I was a little nervous. I actually <laughs> thought about it, but I was like, nah, I'll pass. I don't want to <laughs> mess up my mini vacation. <laughs> you would have came back with like a neck brace. Yeah, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Charlie was pretty good. <laughs> Had a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Fell on my neck on the pool. Yeah, so wow. it was good, man. Like you get to, uh, that's kind of what brought up the, the topic for today, which is uh, personality development. And mm -hmm. what kind of came to mind was just, you know, seeing the group of people and how everybody interacts differently, you know, uh, I was around three introverts, so it was like uh, very like quiet you don't place. even notice, huh? Very quiet place or deep, very deep. Um, no, they're just very easy going, you know. But they rather keep to themselves. So I was like, you know, might as well. We've been talking about it for for a while now, so I figured wow. we we give it a shot today. Yeah, wow. I'm done with that. Cool. All right, so uh, you guys, want to grab that refill and then get into it, yeah. or what? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's get a refill and come right back. Welcome to a Brotherhood of Banter. We have Ed over there in the red hat, uh, Louis over there in the left corner with the spiky hair, and Diego over there with the shiny head. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually yes. with this light that is shiny. Yeah. yeah. The thing is that you're wearing a black shirt in a black room, so all you see is your head. <laughs> my floating head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I go like this, if I lift my shoulders, I'm really just a floating head. Get some headphones on. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> I know, man. I try hard. So, guys, welcome back and thank you for joining us. As uh, we said earlier, we're going to be talking about personality development. So just to simplify, it pretty much is the things that goes into making an individual unique <clears throat> and different from one another. Sorry. So guys, how are you feeling about this topic? And to you, what do you think that means? Well, to me, I think it's a mix, man. I think it's a mix between genetics and your environment. Okay. So like you'll have like a tendency to look a specific way through genetics but then you have a tendency to act a specific way based on what's around you from the way you dress to the way you, uh, I don't know, do things, what you eat and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, like for example, yeah. right now with my Corona, I only got the big one because you guys were picking on me. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so proud. Peer pressure. So oh, proud. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. for the first time. Uh, I got a non-whiskey drink on the on the recording. Drinking a Heineken. Heineken. Yeah, oh, okay. hadn't had Heineken in a while. Found myself happened to find myself in the gas station, and I was like, "Why not?" So, gotcha, gotcha, man. Yeah, yeah man. So, uh huh. Go ahead, Ricky. What do you? All think? right. So, PD, professional development. I mean, uh, personal <laughs> development. Personality. 
Um, well, I mean, yeah, your development, I think it has uh, to do with, you know, several things. Um, obviously, parenting, you know, parenting has a lot uh, to do with how you're going to shape. I mean, supposedly they say that between the, the age of, uh, you know, when a child's born to five, a child is, you know, is formed in, in many, in the ways of their character, you know, so... Parenting is, is a big thing, you know. Uh, I think it has to do also with, with um, you know, with, hmm, trying to say this the right way, right? I think it has to do also with, with um, well, I'll pass that on right now. Okay. But, well, don't worry. We'll, we'll get into it. So we'll, we'll yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But uh, so parenting, parenting. You know, is is a major thing. Um, development. I would say I want to say, you know, uh, religion, or how could I say so that people can understand me? Well, we'll go with you, Ed. We'll go with you. <laughs> okay. Well, I know the answer, kind of. So, Diego, what do you think? Um. I think that you're just from like observing my kids. I think that you're born with a whole bunch of traits that are very much just, you know, factory settings. Um, I think that some of those traits can be changed if something very significant forces them to change. But if they're not like if something doesn't happen that forces that child to change who they are, they really do develop kind of just as they are. And then little by little, like you start getting chiseled, you know, um, <clears throat> by life in different ways. But I really do feel like just observing my 12 year old daughter and my eight year old son, there are certain traits in them that because they've had a rather healthy um, childhood, they don't mm -hmm. change. Like they're really just like that from, you know, from the get go. Okay. So the little bit of time that I had, I kind of looked up a couple of things and you guys are all right, you know, to uh, to a certain extent. They talk about many different things, you know, from from the traits of the child, you know, to like Ricky was saying with religion to physical to all of the above. So for today, we're just going to stick to five of those things. But before we get into that, let's do like some of the movies do. Let's fast forward all the way to the end and then show us how we got to that. So how would you guys describe yourselves when it comes to not so much into detail, but just the way you see yourself now at this point in life? Because obviously we've changed, you know, from from kids to teenagers to in our 20s to to now you at this present moment. How would you describe yourself personality wise? For example, you know, we always use the introvert or extrovert. So how would you go about it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ricky, oh, start us off. No, go, go ahead. Okay, so if you're ready, go for it. Yeah, me, like, um, I'm, I'm outgoing. You know, I'm outgoing. So, like, like Ed was mentioning in the past episode, like, I just walk up to anybody and just start making a conversation. You know, uh, and I'll do things like uh, kind of that people will shy away from. You know, like, like, let's say, like, get up and dance, and you know, just up. Uh, you know, uh, 
pick up a girl in a, in, in, in a party, you know, that I want to dance with and just start, uh, you know, dancing and stuff. So sometimes people will shy away from that. So in, in that sense, I'm not going versus how I was before was very timid. I was very timid, you know. So I don't know if you're talking about also, you want to include also, Ed, like how we were before and how we are now. Oh, we'll or, get into it. We'll just talk about now, today, uh, how you right. see yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. How I see myself in terms of personality. Right. Right? Yeah, and uh, uh, basically, you know, just like I said, outgoing, um, more brave, you know what I mean? Uh, before, like I was a chicken, you know? So now I'll do things that are require more courage um also more wise you know definitely uh not as foolish we can say you know so uh yeah that goes in terms of me how about you d um let's see <clears throat> i think again the question uh Ed uh, edgar's personality right yeah, just current. strictly personality, current personality. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think uh, I would describe myself as um, pretty kind of a loner. You know, I don't keep a lot of company. The company that I keep is very select. Um, they're people that you know I feel like add a lot to my life. So in that in that sense, I you know kind of a loner. Um. What do you mean by a loner? No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tend to be more, unless I feel completely comfortable around whatever group I'm in, I'm, I tend to be more on the serious side. So people kind of misinterpret a lot by looking at me. They feel like I'm really serious until you know, the walls are down and they get to engage with me on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And then that's when they start seeing kind of like my person, my personality. So I guess you could say that I'm a little bit, uh, I come across like guarded. Okay. Um, if I walk into a room, I'd like to read the room. I don't jump into anything. I observe, I observe behavior. I observe how people talk. I observe how people act. Um, and I tend to be kind of, um, I guess like an overthinker in a way, you know, uh, sometimes to my own detriment, think things too much, um, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, as far as like relationships, I like loyalty. I tend to be loyal when it comes to, to my true friendships, uh, the friendships that I, that I consider real friendships. I, when it comes to family, um, I'm loyal to those people whom, with whom I can have peaceful relationships with, you know, loyal to the end in those scenarios. Um, I think that I would probably be described as intellectual, I suppose, because I like to learn a lot of stuff. And if the present, if the, the, the situation presents itself, I'll talk about what I know. Well, not in a boastful way, but, I enjoy the exchange of information. So 
you know, mm-hmm. there's somebody who wants the information or somebody who has information to offer. And then I can offer some information in return. Like I love that entire thing. I love learning. I think I'm very curious. Um, I, I'm teachable in a way that I'm like constantly seeking. If there's something that I legitimately enjoy, like I'm going to show somebody the desire and willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what other word to use, man. Maybe I don't know how to describe the artistic side of me that I'm, I'm very much drawn to, you know, anything that has to do with art design, with creativity, with, you know, engineering, that entire thing. I'm very, very curious about those things. Okay. Yeah, that's All right. what I got so far. Louis? Well, I would describe myself right now as personality-wise as an introvert. In other words, I'm. it's not like about me or what I want to do. I'm, if I go to a party, which I probably don't even want to go in the first place, uh-huh. um, you know, I'll just like hang out and, and like talk to whoever's there, but I'm not really like there there. I'm not really like in all the conversations or being the center of attention. No, no, like well, was way, I thought you were an extrovert. I was when I was younger, uh, but now what? Uh, <laughs> you changed? Absolutely. Like, no, but I'm saying like introvert and extrovert, like that change. I don't, is, that, is that possible? Uh, I guess so because I just don't want to. <laughs> it, it's like, it, it's like. Um, like I, I, I prefer nowadays, uh, more of, um, a mind stimulating conversation, right. Mm. With people as opposed to the, the, uh, everyday, um, you know, bullshit that people would just talk about, mm. um, more like, um, something theoretical, like, Hey, let's talk about how to put the man in Mars, right. What do we have to do to get him there? And then, you oh, know, wow. have a conversation based on that subject with, uh, with theories and, and, and ideas people might have. Uh, obviously, they don't have to be centered in science because it's not like a, like, a, like, like a debate. It's more of a just curiosity or what you want to do as opposed to um, the party, which is always, hey, how you been? Okay, great. Here's what I'm drinking. Great. Let's have some shots. Okay. Music. Okay, dance. And that's, that's the party. <laughs> you get me? So... Mm-hmm. So it's mostly um, more that that would get me more entertained or more would grab my attention um, when at a party or a social gathering, um, as opposed to to not having that there. You know, it, instead of me just wanting to to um, like stay home, which is what I prefer to do, uh, except for food, going out for food, which. <laughs> Just make, making sure we're clear. Philly, the Philly steak. Oh. So you yeah. would be a, a social introvert. Pretty yeah. Much. You'd rather I, stay home than go to a party. Yeah, nowadays. Absolutely. And it's just not only like money-wise, you know, you save the money like as opposed to going out and buying drinks. It's just it's just cheaper to stay home, man. You know? So that's me okay. now. Okay. Gotcha. All right. How about you, Ed? Me at my point in my life, I feel like I definitely have changed a lot. I feel like I still keep some of those traits that I had before. I I still feel like I'm a serious guy. 
um serious in the sense like you know i'm not always cracking jokes and all that stuff but if i get into a a nice playful conversation you know i have that dry sense of humor or you know sometimes as my stepdaughter says you know your perverted sense of humor and just crack jokes here and there um i definitely uh have noticed more of the whole being an introvert thing i i didn't even know that existed back then you know to me it was just me kind of wanting to do my own thing but that was definitely when i was older uh mm-hmm. right now i i don't mind being in a get together i just don't go around looking for them mm-hmm. and with um with the wifey like it's become mm-hmm. more more as it's become more part of my life than it used to be now it's uh, every other weekend you know we tend to have people and in a way it's helped me kind of open up a bit i still don't like having conversations that to me are kind of pointless you know talking just to talk you know mm-hmm. people say that i don't talk enough but reality like i just i like to just get into conversations that mean something you know like the mm-hmm. conversations i have with you guys like we actually get somewhere we're talking for a purpose like we mm-hmm. actually get something from the conversations that we have and we apply that to our life and we take it you know as as we go mm-hmm. uh, i'm definitely more at peace now i try to see things from from both sides when it comes to you know people i don't know or friends or or family you know i i used to be one-sided i mm-hmm. i guess you can say i was very selfish uh it seems like i'm a giving person to some people but you know I, it was just i wanted things my way and i don't know if that's part of the how i was raised but but yeah that's that's who i am now uh, there may be some other things that i'm missing so apparently from the research that i was doing let's find out how we got there because they pinpointed it to five different things So the first one is something we talked about which was the introvert or extrovert uh you know just individuals that you know are outgoing or you know have that social attitude. Uh there's another one that they put on it's called agreeableness which is pretty much manifest in itself and it just your way of showing kindness, yeah, kindness or you know sympathy. Uh mm-hmm. the opposite would be like what I just said, you know, being selfishness and and kind of manipulating people. they have another one where it's openness so like d you know he's very open minded you know he likes that creative part of you know life uh it's very imaginative um i think between the four of us you'll probably be the one that gets into those really deep thoughts when it comes to just you know different life activities that are going on the opposite would definitely be someone that likes a routine um louis you feel that would be you someone that yep. definitely likes a routine I want a routine, get up at the same time, go to bed at the same time. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, so on the on the scale, you know, they some rank high, some rank low. Uh so you would be do you feel like you're closed-minded? No, I am open to different thoughts. I mean, I'm open to different points of view regardless of them being different from mine. That's expected. Otherwise okay. it'd be boring. <laughs> Yeah, because they tend to link those two things together. That's why, you know, everybody's a mix of of something. Um they have another one where it's consciousness and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, neuroticism and it's just the emotional stability, you know, for you to handle stress. So they have different 
stages of your childhood that apparently you acquire these and they go from infant to toddler to preschool so in your growing up and whoever wants to go first how do you feel like as far as you can remember what was placed in your life from you know your parents raising you to the way they they handled you being sociable with other kids to the way you were treated at school and what do you feel in your life you know played effect into who you are today um well my my dad he's he's a very he's a very social butterfly you know that guy he goes to the grocery store and well in Publix he, he probably knows like 30% of the workers there or whatever you know so he's he's very social he easy to talk easy to open up a conversation you know so uh in terms of that i think i think that was I think, you know, like you guys were talking about certain things you're born with biological. So I think that was biological. I think I was always just a social, social butterfly. Only thing is that I was before I was, I was, you know, I was timid. So I, I couldn't do that. You know, I would do that, but in a safe environment that I consider safe, you know? Um, so apparently so, yeah. temperament is what you... Uh, it's a trait that you're pretty much born with, you know, uh, the temperament part, and then everything else just comes additional. How do you feel your childhood was when, when obviously when you were little? What kind of childhood did you, do you feel like you have, like between, you know, as far as you can remember to maybe, I don't know, eight, nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a pretty good childhood, man. I mean, uh, my childhood was like, take a shower very early in the morning, very early before hitting up school and then cuddle in the bed with my pops, you know, it was, um, yeah, it sounds kind of weird, right? <laughs> no, no, but no, it was, it was just, what I'm trying to say is that my dad showed me a lot of love. <laughs> yeah. No, and my no, dad can, was very loving. Yeah. He was very loving, you know? So that, that was part of my childhood. My dad being very lovable to me. That's something that I think I was imparted, you know, so now we're talking about impartation, you know, from parenting or from other people, you know, and he was always very loving. So that kind of like that love, like imparted into me. And, and then now I can be like that with other people, you know? Yeah. So that, okay. that's in terms of, you know, the, what you were talking about, Ed, what you just asked. All right. D, how do you feel like just sticking to that childhood part of your life? How do you feel that was like, what did they implement as you were little? Did they push you to do anything, you know, help you socialize? Um, I think that <clears throat> you said until like age nine. Yeah. Just throwing out a number there. You know, pretty much. Until um, well, until that time period, I really, my, my grandma was the one who raised me. Um, cause my mom, my mom and dad split before I turned like two. And then my mom came to the U.S. and she left me in Colombia, and I was raised by my grandma. So, my grandma during that age range was very, very key in my like in my um, formation. Um, she gave me a sense of like she brought a discipline to my life that I would never again have. You know, she she spanked me with this whip thing. Um, Jeez. she, Sexy. yeah, it's called Los Ramales, this leather whip thing, 
Uh, <laughs> it was always hanging from the on the kitchen wall. Anyway, <laughs> so she spanked me. Yeah. She gave me discipline. She gave me consequences. She gave me punishments. Um, at the same time, she was very loving to me. Um, she was she inculcated in me. Uh, um, inculcated is that instilled? There you go. She instilled in me. Um, a passion for writing and reading. She would make me read magazines, these Christian magazines every single day and like an entire article, right? Which would be like several pages. And she would make me transcribe it just verbatim. And this is like aside from school stuff, right? And so I was like practicing reading and writing and vocabulary all at the same time without knowing it. And I didn't really see the benefit of that stuff until years later. But the point is that she brought this discipline to my life that was very important for my formation, I think. And mm-hmm. as soon as I left uh, I left Colombia and got to the U.S. around age eight, everything completely changed as, as far as, like, my authority figure. You know, my mom had zero discipline, zero punishment, zero consequences, zero rules, for that matter. Um, so it was a complete change from there on. Because apparently during those stages in life, they're linking the fact that it's when, like, for instance, preschool is when you learn to trust. And then um, as you're getting older, you learn the confidence, you know, someone kind of gives you that push. And then later on is when you, your mind starts developing and you start using your imagination more and more. Do you feel any particular person or events or location, you know, applied those, those traits into you? Because for sure, you know, at this point, you're you're very creative. Yeah, no, like the- absolutely. The, the, during during that period of my life, I had um, so in Colombia, you know, kids grow up, or at least at that point, they we grew up with a, a ton of freedom. You know, we could run around the entire damn city basically as long as we were home by a certain time, Jeez. which is something that you know I never experienced here, and that my kids obviously you know have, have not been raised with, and. Um, so I had this freedom to go off with my friends and do whatever we wanted and the, whatever we wanted, aside from, you know, the typical sports or playing or whatever, there were a lot of creative things. Like we would go up to the side of a mountain. They were carving to create a new development of, you know, like a new community. And because the mountain was carved vertically, it exposed all the layers of earth. And among those layers were clay and we would extract clay from there. And then we would go and like mix it in these big buckets and we would start making stuff out of it, or we would use regular molding clay, or we would use uh, Lego, or we would build shit out of wood. Um, so, like all that stuff, fed my creativity. My two uncles were both really, really good at drawing, and I would obsess over them, like drawing me stuff and teaching me how to draw, like very basic shapes, like you know, cars and things like that. So they were pretty instrumental in teaching me. And like exposing me and giving me that curiosity. And I saw both of them, like my, um, one of them, he's an iron worker and he works with leather as well. And I would just sit in the back in the backyard where he used to work and I would like see him doing all this stuff. And it was mind blowing to me, you know, the fact that he would like start with a whole bunch of like metal extrusions and then just turn them into a fence or whatever. Um, and then the other uncle, this dude was, um, I don't even know what to call him. He basically took me to work with him for one project when I was a kid. This dude built an entire house, a two-bedroom house by himself. I don't even know how that's possible. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't have anybody there. I couldn't understand. Like, I was really blown away um, just watching this dude work. He would like ask me for help on little things, but he would do this whole thing himself, man. Shirt off, you know, dark. He's like the darkest one in the family. Like basically he's black. And, you know, he would take his shirt off and I'll just see him working and like, you know, his muscles and all this stuff. I'm like, whoa, like that's a man right there, <laughs> which I clearly didn't emulate. But anyway, <laughs> um, those guys are creativity um, that, that that impacted me a lot. And that same guy who used to build houses, he was a good chess player. And he's the first one who taught me how to play chess. And I remember I have really fond memories of him teaching me to play chess and like, pushing me and pushing me until I was able to beat him the first time, that sort of thing, which I think he let me win. But so I think that all those, all those factors and the, the fact that I had the freedom to just like explore any of those things while I was in Colombia as a kid, I feel like that had a huge, huge impact on the way I ended up being now. Okay. Ricky, I know you got to make a run for a, for a refill Uh, just before you go. Who do you feel or if anybody uh, gave you that sense of trust? Who made you feel that you can, because you're a very trustworthy person and you trust a lot of people. You know, you you don't judge anyone straight up. You know, you you take it for what it is straight up from the beginning. Unlike me, where it is like you got to prove, you know, to be trusted. Who do you yeah. feel had like, you know, um, who was responsible for giving you that? Yeah. Um, who was responsible, really? If you can, yeah, if you can actually pinpoint someone. Yeah. Who was really, I'll tell you who was, who was hit it in the center. Um, it was, it was, it was my father, you know, God, because I had a lot of trust issues before, you know, I had, um, basically I was very insecure not trusty of myself. So imagine how I would, you know, view other people. I would, if you distrust in yourself, you're going to distrust in others, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that was an, you know, he, God gave me an impartation of trust, you know, where he, he gave me an impartation of trust where, uh, I can also see people as who they really are, you know? I could see if a person had, you know, certain, let's say defects, which, which with certain things, I wouldn't be able to trust them, you know? And then I can also see the other side, the positive side, where I can see certain traits in people where I can be like, okay, this person is trustworthy. You know, this person could take care of this, this thing that I'm going to, you know, give to them, you know? So, um, yeah, man, I give them, I give, uh, God all the credit. You know, because that's where my trust really came from. Okay. Yeah. All right. All so right, gonna... guys. So um, we're going to take a break. Thank you for uh, <laughs> listening. And uh, uh, we'll be back. More coronitas. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. He's kidding. He's just making a quick run. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll see you in a bit, Ricky. Okay. All right, Lou. On to you. So as a child, give me where the whole creativeness came in, trustworthy, the confidence. Well, I'd say like a lot of discipline from like my father and my mom, 
like uh, for example, uh, I remember like learning all my times tables and I remember learning to type. Um, um, as for confidence, I'd say like, you know, my parents and then my friends or, or girlfriends uh, would definitely contribute to my uh, extrovert personality when I was younger in which, um, you know, I always wanted to be the center of attention and I want to um, like, you know, just drive the party and have fun and stuff. Nowadays, as I mentioned before, it's mostly like, you know, I could, it, it's really random for me to get into such a mood that I would want to, as opposed to before, which was like a every day, every weekend type of thing. Um, but like, yeah, I, I'd say definitely my parents um, helped push that towards me, my um, success, I guess. I mean, learning to type by the time what I was in sixth grade or whatever. So I could type my papers, you know, in a couple of minutes as opposed to like finding where the keys are and stuff. Um, and obviously my dad's interests in like uh, mechanics and my dad's interest in just like um, like everyday things, like how they work, he would always take stuff apart and put it together and I'd always be there. And that was definitely translated into, um, it definitely used for like uh, computers, you know? I went from holding the light to turning the screwdriver to just doing it myself. So that's definitely a, a source of that information. Um, and what was the other questions? Uh, your trust, you know, where your creation, your creativity came from. You know, did yeah, you I mean, trust as a little kid? Did you have confidence? You know, yeah, the confidence definitely came in with, uh, with time, like, um, like realizing, oh, you know, I could pick up this girl if I wanted to, and actually picking her up and going out and. In that confidence, it's like, yeah, I could do it. You know, I'm the shit. I could do it. Um, was something that was fun and challenging. You know, I, I used my mind to try to figure it out how to do it. And once it finally clicked, it was, uh, you know, I was open for business, you can say. Um, <laughs> and um, like the trust, yeah, definitely for my parents, I'd say. Mostly my mother, because she'd always be there talking to me and and be there as opposed to my dad, who would always be uh, working. But yeah, a lot of that from my parents. Okay. Well, I guess for me, my childhood was a little, I guess, half and half. For me, growing up, as far as I can remember, I had a pretty decent childhood. My I was still living in Guatemala at the time. And my dad, he's up to this day, he was uh, always a provider. My mom uh, until what age were you out there? Uh, five. And okay. we moved only because we had to. It wasn't really planned. It wasn't, you know, part of the future. It was just something that happened and unfortunate, and we had to just kind of take off. But uh, I remember, you know, just going to school, you know, uh, I was very spoiled. I think that's where my selfishness started kicking in, you know, growing up. Even though my sister, you know, she's she's older than I am. Once I was born, my parents thought that that's where they were going to stop. And, you know, they had the pair. 
and yeah, like I was very spoiled. My mom would, you know, come pick me up at the bus stop. And if I was asleep, she would actually carry me, you know, for a good couple of blocks. And by that time I was already like three or four. I don't know how, how big I was, but yeah, she made the effort to carry me And at the house. Like I said, my dad was always a provider. So every time he would come home, he would bring me like a different action figure. It was usually He-Man. So every day I would get a different action figure. And yeah, like I said, that's what continued my selfishness. But in a way, it also taught me how to take care of my stuff because I didn't like sharing, but I made sure to keep everything, you know, clean, intact and, you know, in its place. Uh, the creativity part, I would probably say I would have to put that on my dad. As far as like, even in Guatemala, I would see him drawing all the time. And at that time, I was like, oh, whatever. I thought it was just something cool, you know, because it was very colorful. It wasn't like, oh, that's what I want to do growing up or, or anything like that. And the trust part, up to now, is still difficult for whatever reason. I can't actually say the time or place when I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be very trusting in people or anything like that. I, I guess something happened in my life and that just kind of led me to to let you prove yourself first and in my childhood like i said it was great up till till about you know four four or five years old and we had to move uh, relocate to miami because we ran into some some very bad people uh, well my dad ran into some very bad people he did business with and they became very threatening and we just weren't safe so we ended up coming to miami my dad left us before we moved he kind of just you know was trying to get stable before anything he reached out to us i want to say three or four months later and you know we we didn't we didn't come to miami with anything it was just the clothes that we had and maybe like a carry-on by that time my little sister was born she was probably a few months not even a year and it turns out that the day after we left uh, we had my uncle go pick up all our stuff and Apparently, the guys that my dad had dealt with just kind of shot up the place and then torched it. Damn. So they, there was not there was nothing left. If we would have been there one more day, if we would have been home, you know that that kind of would have been the end of us. Wow, man! So all all the stuff that I spent time, you know, caring for and cleaning and protecting was just was just gone, except for a couple of things that we left at my grandfather's house. Hmm. So fast forward here to Miami, we we come. I have. Um, like a half family over here from my grandfather's side on my dad's side and apparently everywhere he went he had like a woman and six kids and he did that six times so you know you do the math so there's like about 36 of them out there and my dad had like i didn't even know they existed my dad had apparently a good relationship with them at that time so my dad came here he he ended up staying with one of his you know half sisters they called out for us. We we moved over here. We stayed them. We stayed with them for a little bit. Unfortunately, they they got kind of tired of us. We were in one of the kids' bedrooms, and there was five of us. And I guess they just felt like we were taking up the space. So they kicked us out a couple months after. Uh, the my cousins there like they didn't make life very easy. They we ended up moving to another one of my aunt's houses and. There we were staying in the living room, and whenever they had company, we had to to kind of hide. I guess they were they were a bit ashamed of us. 
you know, maybe if you think about it, maybe that's where my trust issue came. You know, you figure you can count on family and, and it wasn't that way. Shortly after that, they, they kicked us out too. My dad was able to, uh, to find like a little apartment for us and we didn't have anything. We actually went uh, trash hunting and that's how we put together our living room and a couple of things that we had in our home. I, at, at that point I was really not into anything. I kind of, I guess that's part of where me wanting to be alone came from. I was very unhappy. So I spent a lot of time just kind of doing my own thing until, well, until this lady came, came by, you know, dropping off some stuff next door and she happens to be selling toys. And that's when the first Ninja Turtle came into my life. And I was like, okay, that kind of brought me up to, to feeling more like a kid, you know, after losing all my toys and I started opening up again. And just, you know, being playful. School was good. I had a, like a good uh, growing up in, in kindergarten and especially in, in Devonair. And I guess that's where kind of life just changed. I was a little more outgoing. I was very sociable. That's where I met Lewis. And I guess that's where some of the other traits that I have came in, especially the creativity. I used to draw a lot back then. So before we get into, well, getting into our teenage years, can you guys, since we spoke at the beginning of who we are now and tonight this episode way too long, can you guys just pinpoint different parts in, in your growing up or, you know, in your twenties or, or up to now that you feel have made you the person that you are today, different events or people? Yeah, I think for me, um, I think meeting my meeting my dad for for what I recall as for what counts for me as the first time the first time that I actually have some memories of being with my dad it was when I was seven and um, it was in Colombia he had come back from Spain it's the only time that he's ever traveled back from Spain to Colombia and he went to Colombia and then he took me with him for a whole week to be with him and his his side of the family. And that was a really weird experience because I'd never really met any of them before. Um, that experience was awkward for many reasons. And then, I don't know, I kind of blocked it out in a way because I only remember actually having like certain moments with him throughout that that week for some reason. So I'm not exactly sure how the whole week went down, but I remember spending a lot more with like my aunts and stuff like that than, than with, with him. Anyway, um, when I was 11, I wrote him a letter um, just out of my own accord. Like I started asking my mom questions about him and about where he was and why he never, you know, why I never had contact with him. So I wrote him a letter asking him all these things, and then he wrote me back, and eventually he took me over to him uh, to visit Spain for two months during summer. And that was that was pretty impactful, I think, for my life because it was the first time that I saw kind of like where I, where I came from. And so, you know, like with him, I went down, he had, he lived in this house that had like four stories, technically like a first and second floor, a basement, and then um, an attic, an attic. Type of area. but he turned the attic and the basement into livable areas in a way. So the whole, uh, the whole basement part was his, like it was, he turned it into like this library and he had his electronic shop there and he had all his hobbies in there. And when I walked down there for the first time and he started walking me through and showing me all these things, everything from like 
the creativity to the kind of stuff that he was into reading um, to the electronics area, like all of it was fascinating to me. And I realized immediately like, oh, this is, you know, like this is the guy that I come from clearly, <laughs> you know, because like I see myself reflected in so many of the stuff, so much of the stuff that he's into. So that, that trip was pretty impactful. Um, then by that time, by that time, were you into the stuff that he was into or was it all brand new for you? Some of it. Yeah, some of it I was into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was just reassuring you of. Oh, yeah. Pretty much, you know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Part of it was reassurance, you know, like it, it yeah. helped me confirm like, oh, this is where I get this this stuff from, you know. And the other part was realizing like, oh, like this is, it's kind of like seeing potentially me in the future. <laughs> because uh-huh. it's like, if I, if I was into a third of the stuff that he was into at that point in his life, that means that down the road I could possibly start exploring things and this isn't something it's not like a self-fulfilling prophecy it's not something that i've set out to do but i've legitimately done that you know i've legitimately gone and taught myself different things throughout my life just because i'm curious and then i pick up brand new hobbies along the way you know like just you know this 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 past week i started my course for my first dslr camera and i'm starting i started to experiment while i was in downtown tampa uh with photography uh with a nice camera for the first time I got something I just started doing out of curiosity and I signed up for the course out of curiosity and I'm going to explore this thing out of curiosity. And he's very much like that. So I learned that. Um, I, 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 that was pretty impactful. Then I think the next very important stage was when I entered church. Um, that was the first time that I started developing myself, that I started walking towards what is called an ambivert, which is kind of like that middle point between an introvert and an extrovert. Because up until that point in my life, I had absolutely been an introvert without a shadow of a doubt, a complete introvert, always by myself, didn't like being in crowds, felt shy around crowds, didn't like doing anything that had to do with like, you know, partying or anything like that, just to myself. If I was in a playground with kids, I'd be over there in the corner, rest of the kids would be playing all together. Then when I got into church, that was the first time that I started like opening up because I became passionate about everything that had to do with that lifestyle. And I started rising up in the leadership and I started developing myself as a speaker, uh, developing myself as a teacher. Um, I started acting, like doing, you know, actual drama. And I started discovering kind of like an affinity for all these things. And that like, kind of unraveled an entire new an entirely new part of me that I just had never ever ever explored before. So that that time period was another very very important one. Um and that was during my teen years. So from like 8th grade until well through my teens. You know, I developed myself within church. And until until what time period are you asking about? Up till now, whatever you feel is relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting married was another really important step for me. You know, that started changing, I think, giving me a sense of responsibility and a sense of, um, I guess, being anchored to something or in someone. Um, The next step was 
I shifted over from that church that I was in from when I was a teenager. I shifted over to another church that I helped start with uh, with a, this pastor and his wife. And he was another very instrumental person. Oh, the pastors that I was with in the previous church were also very instrumental. Like they were my first actual father figures that were involved in my life, listened to me, gave me guidance, etc. And then when I met this other man, um, this other pastor, he brought the discipline part of it into my life. Because all these other mentors, they had been very loving to me, caring, very selfless, just dedicating time to me, you know. Um, but this guy was kind of like a man's man, you know, very no nonsense, very authoritative, very, um, he expected obedience, essentially, you know, if you were going to be, if you were going to follow him, if you were going to be a uh, part of his inner, inner group. So he was very instrumental. Um, there's a lot of negative things that happened during that period of time, but the impact that he had in my life as a father figure was irreplaceable because he taught me discipline as a man. He taught me, you know, how to be a man, really, you know, because I never had that in my life before. So he was important. That period of time of 10 years that we spent in that second church was very important. And when I say we, I mean my, myself and, and my ex-wife. And then leaving that church was another very important milestone in my life because it was the first step towards what would end up being a huge, huge shift in my worldview. Um, I went to another more, much more relaxed kind of church after that. But very soon I found myself um, wanting to leave the church system altogether. And then that step was another significant one. And then around that time, I started asking myself a lot of questions that I had kind of tucked under the rug for all those years as a believer. And when I started finding answers to those questions, uh, that led me away from the Christian faith altogether um, and from belief in a theistic def theistic definition of a God. So all these things, because I had like kind of like built my self-worth and my identity as a person and as a man on Christian principles, walking away from all that was it was basically like starting a new life. It really was because I believe this thing to the core and when I walked away from all that, it meant like two years of trying to rediscover myself and figure out who the hell I was. And, um, and sure enough, I did. Um, and then I think being here in Tampa was the other very important part of my life because when I left Christianity at first, I was very, very much headed in the opposite direction. You know, I was like all about atheism and just, you know, screw religion of all sorts and walk in the opposite direction. And then time started kind of balancing my life out and balancing my me out. And the place where I find myself now is a place of balance, a place of peace. Um, I'm at peace within myself regarding what I believe and, you know, how I live my life. And um, so, yeah, I think that all those were like the major milestones in my life. And my divorce was also very, a very important event because it meant becoming a single parent. And that becoming a single parent was 
the death of many, many of my negative destructive traits for the love of my kids so that I wouldn't harm them so that I wouldn't affect them negatively. They inspired me to, um, walk away from a lot of selfishness and, and here I am, man. Okay. We'll touch up on that part that you said at the end. Um, Louis, uh, your stages in life, do you feel that you can separate them? Just kind of like how D did that, you know, you can, you became someone else through different parts of your life. Cause I know for sure I did. And it pretty much applies to yeah. different from middle school, high school to all that. Yeah. Uh, to add on, like in my teen years, I'd say I looked up to uh, uh, my mother's brother. In other words, my uncle, his name was, is Alvedo. And he lived with us for a couple of years while I was in my teens. So I was very impressionable at that point. And he was just somebody I looked up to now that, you know, we have this conversation and I've been like thinking back about what, um, and we would talk about, he was like an older brother. So we would talk, you know, we would play video games and play FIFA and play, uh, two rock dinosaur hunter. And <laughs> we would, um, talk about women and girls and, you know, he'd always be like the uncle that would tease you you know and so so i looked up to him because he was like my friend who just happened to sleep in the room next to me you know in the other room next to me and just getting along and having that bond um definitely pushed me and gave me confidence you know from from like uh picking up sports um and uh chasing you know women that's I would say it's a strong influence from that point. I forget that you grew up without a dad also. No, I, I grew up with my okay, dad. You grew up with him. Yeah. He's still, he's still around. So, you know, it, he, we all lived, you know, it was like a full household. So my mom and dad and my uncle would live yeah. there uh-huh. later on. Yeah. Um, this is up here in, in New York or New Jersey rather. Um, and yeah, I would say that was a big influence in in my teen years which led me to you know adulthood which was partying and being the actual bird and center of attention and confidence and walking up to strangers and just talking to them and you know no issues to today where it's like you know leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) and when you actually were all going and all that how do you feel you got to that point was it uh just you know the way school was people that were part of your life or you know did someone just bring you out and you realize hey you know i actually enjoy this i've never had this in my life it was a lot of um like uh socializing so like uh, whether it was work or was it school or, or college or whatever it was always a matter of uh socializing to people and talking to them and be like, Hey, we should go out and Hey, let's do this. And, you know, I'd always be the source of, um, Hey, let's go do this. Let's go to this party. Let's go to the beach tomorrow. And then getting everybody to go to the party. And then we, you know, we would just go or, 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 and, and that would just keep going and growing. And then those people, um, would meet my, um, I don't know, my professional people and, and the parties would just get bigger and it's the same attitude on, until 
um, you get to the point where it just doesn't matter, you know, like it, it was fun and it's cool. And if, you know, put me in a group with, with, with the right set of people and, and, you know, it'll be fun. And I'll, and my sense of humor, obviously that trait, which I also got from my dad was definitely a big, uh, like an influence into getting the whole center of attention and making people laugh. And not to mention my dad has always been that way. He's yeah, always sure. been into like, uh, Hey, joking around. And especially at a party or at a get together, he would always joke around with people and, and, you know, make jokes and, and, and that persona, that character was always with me, but I never really used it until like my teenage years and college years and so on in which partying was the, the thing, you know? Okay. Hmm. All right. I guess for me, I can almost separate it by kind of like how D did by stages. So in, I would, Going back to elementary school, then I was actually a very shy kid. You know, for me, that school was something completely new. Not to mention, I didn't really pick up on the English language till I was in second grade. And thanks to my teacher, she pushed me and she rewarded me every time I, I did well with, with, you know, writing essays and all that extra work. And up until fifth grade, I believe I was very shy, you know, along the way, I I met you, Lewis. I, I met Richard, another, for those of you listeners, he's another great friend of ours from, as far as I can remember, another 30-year veteran. And during that childhood, it was actually him that got me to open up more to to people. Because I can remember, I can even tell you like the day. I remember I was, I had a certain way of dressing and I brought that from Guatemala it was like the shirt was always tucked in everything was always like tidy and ironed and everything and Richard coming over to the house the first day he's like bro you're gonna go out like that and I was like yeah he's like man you can't go out like that your shorts are too short you're wearing like a, a shirt that doesn't match he's like you gotta pull it out man so I was like okay well I mean he's one of the cool kids so let me let me be just like him <laughs> so he started getting me to the point where I was more comfortable with myself as a kid and I started wearing different type of clothes and he kind of he kind of dressed me pretty much. And it was thanks to him that he would go out and introduce me to different friends. And if my memory is correct, Louis, that's, I think, how I met you, you know, through him. And yeah, I think he did uh, like link us um, yeah. in, in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I like I told you in the other podcasts, it was like I, I think you showed up on my door one day and you were with Richard, so I was like, okay. Yeah, because I was I, I used to hang out with him when I was a little like a bike ride and go over to his friends' houses and stuff. Yeah, so it was once like you know, all of it was clicked. It was just like going being more outgoing, taking more risks. We would go out bike riding, skateboarding, things I have would have never done if I would have had to stay home and then I would have never met you guys. Moving on to, to middle school, it completely changed. Well, ending elementary school. That was the first so-called girlfriend that I had. So it gave me up a little bit more confidence. I was like, wow, you know, I actually was able to pick up someone. Or she picked me up, even though we never did anything. But I was like, wow, I have a girlfriend. That's all that mattered. And yeah. going into <laughs> going into middle school, everything just completely changed. You know, you go in as a freshman. And by that time, like my acne was already getting really, really bad. And 
I went from an outgoing kid in elementary school to a middle school kid and kind of just keeping to myself because I wasn't so much trying to avoid people. I was just trying to avoid being made fun of. So I kind of just came into myself in class. I would try to sit all the way in the back or if the teacher would ask a question, I wouldn't raise my hand. And that kind of pushed me more to like the whole introvert that we're talking about, but it was mostly just at school. So I don't know where, what section of the whole introvert extrovert I would fall into, but it was just mostly at school because I didn't feel comfortable around them. And when I would be around my friends, it was much easier. I felt like, you know, there was no judgment, you know, there was no making fun of. So I was able to relax and that continued all through middle school. And during that time, that's when I met UD and your relationship really helped out a lot too, because I was like, man, that's when I started realizing how creative, creative a person can actually be and you know you taking me to your house and seeing your drawings and seeing the fact that you were into similar stuff that I was into seeing your sculpts when you know you worked clay back then and Mm -hmm. I was like okay this is this is something that I hadn't seen up to then so I was like man you know it's it's cool to draw and it's cool to you know apply your skills and that's when I really got more into it because you and I would draw but I always felt like, man, let's see who can outdo the other. And, you know, we would always try <laughs> right. to come up with like a different drawing. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like it was challenging. It wasn't so much a competition, but we were always trying to ante up the other one. And that improved our skills as we went along. Yeah. And for, sure. for me, middle school was definitely horrible. Like, I, you know, the whole picking continued. Um, and that's when I closed off. Moving on to middle school, that's when I was me fun so much that's when i was so anti-social that i stopped caring i didn't care so much i didn't care about socializing i was like man forget it. i'm just gonna you know come in it was kind of almost like a job just come in do my time and get out and luckily along that route i met the other clique of friends and they kind of got me through it because if it would have been for them i don't know if i would have stayed as long as i did and i I didn't become more sociable, but I became more of like, okay, I don't care what people think. And that's when bodybuilding, you know, was more in my life. And, you know, I was bigger at the time. So it was always that intimidation, which was like a shield to be around people. And it was like, nobody's going to make fun of me anymore. I'm big, even though I may not be able to beat them up, but in their head, maybe they think that I can. And that kind of just kept that separation and the so-called respect that, you know, once you hit this age, you realize that, you know, there really isn't any. Moving on from high school on to, to graduating and, and coming out, that's when I thought that I had everything figured out. And my whole personality changed there, too. Uh, meeting the girl that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with, she had a lot to contribute into making me the guy that I still am today. As we talked about before, you know, she's the one that kind of helped me feel more secure when it came to an actual female, how to treat them, show them respect, open up doors for them, um, pulling out chairs, changing the way of dressing. And I became even more confident to the point where it was a boundary of almost cockiness. But I was able to build the charm that I kind of feel like I still have up to now. But it definitely helped. It, it, It made me more secure. And it's funny. It's the whole thing has been like a roller coaster it goes from knowing what you want to feeling secure and this is the way my life is going to continue being to you know getting 
running into like a quick left turn and you know people passing away in your life and you know you kind of not wanting to do your job anymore and just like ud starting pretty much fresh you know and that would run into me relocating you know twice in my 20s and i think my 20s i can put it as more of it being adventurous and just kind of figuring life out you know i think that kind of applies to everybody just you know trying different things and see what works for you and i remember before i left to california uh one of my dad's friends he told me that just go over there leave your baggage and come back and i think that's what i did in some way because you know you were the one to point out that once i came back i was a completely different person mm -hmm. and i think i did leave all that and the most challenging thing that has been part of my life up to now still is trying to break the chains of of my dad and like i said earlier you know he was always providing but that anger that he kind of he showed me was okay as a kid it's funny what you retain when you're little you know i saw him throwing things him being angry him putting people down and i kind of kept that and i took that with me as i went and that has been up to up to now the biggest challenge trying to break those chains and realize that you know putting down people isn't going to make me feel any better uh getting pissed off at things doesn't make the situation any better and you know after all this stuff that's been going on just life is a lot easier when you kind of just take a step back and just see that it's not that serious you know so going from there into this is there that you guys feel that you like when you said like you know we were talking that you know we've made that progress of you know not being angry anymore or handling situations differently is there anything that you're surprised that you used to have anything that you are still working on and maybe something that you hope to acquire as the years go by one a personality trait that you don't have at this time yeah um I think that since um, during this last like, year and a few months that I've been with, with my girlfriend, Gwen, she's been the only person since I, since I became single after my divorce and started dating again, she's been the only person that I've truly allowed in, you know? Um, and she is, she and I click in all the important areas. Like we see eye to eye in all the important areas but personality wise we we have our differences you know like any two human beings i guess and so where i don't feel a constant need to be around family like i don't and this is me being honest with myself it, i i don't I enjoy, like, my mom and my sister are two people that I'm able to be around and be completely at peace with, you know? That week and a half that they spent not too long go up here in Tampa with me was great. Um, but although I enjoy it when it's there, it's not something that I crave. Like, I don't periodically yearn, you know, for, like, oh, my God, I need family near me or I need, you know, my friends near me or whatever. 
and it's it's something that I'm kind of I'm trying to figure out how much of it is just normal that but I can explore changing in that in that area mm-hmm. versus how much of it could be caused by the loneliness that I've lived in for these last five years up here since I became a single dad is like, since I I became a single dad, I pretty much lost all connections that I had up here because they were mostly family members from my ex. And then the company that I was with, the marketing company I was with for six years um, up here, that company started encountering issue after issue after issue leading into eventually end up just like four people (laughs) going, going from a team of like 35. So like all the relationships that I manage, that I managed to build it, they've slowly kind of just crumbled. And then the other ones that I had on the family side through marriage, they all went away immediately after divorce. And so it's just been me and my kids up here, really. Like they're the only ones that I have and I only have them half the time. So the other half the time, it's just me. (laughs) And so I, I realized that I went into like this survival mode as soon as I knew, okay, my marriage is done. Now I need to secure my kids half the time and nothing else matters. And that became my mission, period. And to not give anybody, not her, not family, not her family, not anyone, any kind of reason or excuse to say like, oh, this guy should not have his kids half the time. And so that became such a strong mission for me that I broke off all human connections. And um, I think that I think that is due to those things to, to, to these last five years that I got to this point where I'm a complete just loner right now. Um, because I remember as a kid in Colombia, like I had my cousins and I used to love when they used to come over to my grandma's house. You know, I ran around with a group of, I think it was like 10 of us in the block and we used to do all sorts of things. Like I was never a loner back then in church, in my church days, since I was a teenager through my late twenties, always surrounded by people. Not that you have much of a choice when you move around in a church environment, but you know, always surrounded by people, leading groups, teaching people one-on-one, whatever. And then comes this period of time after my divorce and boom, it's just complete isolation. Now, naturally I've never been bothered by being alone. Right. Um, like when I was, when I came to the U S my life was a lot of the time was spent alone because my mom used to work all day and it was just her, her and I, but anyway, fast forward to this moment and my girlfriend, Gwen, she's very different. She does love family and she's kind of like the epicenter of her family, the central, the central point, the axis of her family. So her cousins go to her, you know, like her mom goes to her, people go to her place. And she is helping me redefine that aspect of myself. And it's been a struggle for me. It really has in the sense of accepting invitations, being okay with, okay, I, if I go over to her house, there's a good chance that there's going to be, you know, her cousins or one of her cousins is going to be there. Obviously her daughters are going to be there. Her mom might be there. Um, Sometimes I go there and there's, you know, five different people in there, (laughs) 
you know, there's the kid that kind of, you know, grew up with her kids in the neighborhood and he comes in with his gigantic poodle mixed with, I don't know what other breed of dog. He's like a brontosaurus, this dog. It's massive. <laughs> and then like her cousin with the other, you know, her pit bull and then her other cousin with her four-year-old and, uh, and then the 15 year old son of her other cousin. So like, there's like this group of people and, but they're good people. And so I'm learning to, I'm kind of like rediscovering that because I feel like I lost it. I really do feel like I lost it. Um, so it's been very healing. You know, this is the bottom of the, the, the main point here is that my relationship with Gwen has been an element of healing in my life in many ways. That's not even to talk about the romantic side, like the actual relationship side. But I'm learning from her on how to be family again. So I feel like that's something that I am in the middle of and that I am trying to embrace and that I'm I, f- I feel positive results from. Well, that's a good thing that, you know, you kind of realize where you are now and you're not setting your ways as to, okay, I, I like being alone. I'm alone anyways. I think I'm fine. You know, right. you, you have this brand new relationship and you're like, you know what? I want to apply some of the stuff that I used to have into this one, which is, you know, socializing with people. Mm-hmm. And and I'm willing to try, you know, and, and I know yeah. being used to anything is just difficult making that change. Right. You know, you know, there's there's this thing. Uh, I'll, I'll finish off with this point. Um, there's this thing that, to to your point, there's this thing that um, the shift that happened in my head when I walked uh, I walked out of Christianity. You know, when I when you're as deep as you as I was into Christianity or into any theistic religion where you believe in a God and that that God has control over all things past, present, future. He knows all things. He is present everywhere. He knows everything. He controls everything. He is omnipotent. That means that he can do all things, right? And he is sovereign. That means that he has control over all things. So when you believe that, if you truly believe it, you have no choice but to believe that your entire life is pre-written. That makes sense? So like every, every event in your life is already predetermined and you almost have no choice in the matter. So when I walk away from that belief system and I find myself with no belief in a theistic God in the theistic definition of a God, and I no longer believe that there is some higher power who has my entire life scripted. I found myself for the first time in my life in a situation where I started seeing myself as the author of my own life. It's like a sense of control that I never experienced before. And ever since that happened, I started seeing my life as this book that is constantly being written. And if I grab on to one specific time period or one specific state of my life, and I don't, and I refuse to go beyond that, I refuse to grow, I refuse to change, I refuse to evolve as a person, I refuse to learn something new, I refuse to, you know, try something new then that means that it's a half-written book, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm going to die basically how I was since my 30s, and I don't want that. So, like, in my mind, you know, one of the reasons why I embrace curiosity to learn new things and to pick up new hobbies and stuff like that and, and to this point, you know, like what I'm learning from my girlfriend right now, it's it's more story being added to that book, you know? And I want to continue that for life, and I feel like that 
don't know, for me, it makes the prospect of aging exciting. You know, it makes the prospect of growing old something positive, not something I fear. Because yeah, there's still so much to see, to do, to talk about. Yeah. Hell so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Lewis, just to refresh that question, you know, is there anything that you were surprised that was one of your personality traits before? Something that you have now that maybe you rather not have and something that you may be working on, you know, to have in the future? That's a good question, man. I mean, I don't have anything specific in mind, but like different ideas that do come to mind would be something like um, uh, my younger self would have the capability of pick just like sitting down and learning things, you know, and 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 or, or being more motivated for um, self. What's the word? Being motivated for self health or for one's own health. You know, in my case, currently, I'm surprised I was ever able to run, you know, miles. You get me? Mm -hmm. And nowadays, being able to just just walk, man, is, is, is something that I just get tired with. I'm like, oh, like I have to walk over there or I walk from the bedroom to the sofa, you know, in, in the living room and it's like I'm tired. And that is something I wish I could change, which I could, you know, the theoretically I, I could change it, but having the motivation I had back then, or maybe it was the energy or just being less lazy overall to change that, you know, for my better, for my betterness, for my, you know, marriage, for my health, that's all something I can, I can look at. Um, but yeah, I really don't have anything as in-depth as Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel, I mean, obviously you're aware of the things that you want to change and, you know, the positives that you, well, you consider the positives back then. Do you feel like you have a set plan? Because let's face it, you know, we're we're not that young right now. We, we definitely don't feel young. <laughs> but just thinking health-wise in your future, and for sure as hell, man, I want you to continue you living a long time i want to have one of these conversations when, when we're 60 or 70 or 80. so when do you feel if you feel that you're going to make that change because obviously See, you're aware of it yeah the, the thing is i i've said oh I've, i'll do it now and then i'll just go on like a fast food binge and just eat everything because i'm gonna go and eat right and i eat right but then i start again and the question is what would make it any different about me saying, Hey, I'm going to do it now and actually stick to it. I mean, I don't know. I've always had, well, not always. I've always wanted to be healthier, right? Like lately in the older years, you know, and my mom, you know, she's literally asking about my weight all the time. That's the first thing. Hey, mijo, como esta? Bien. Okay. Sigue gordo. Cuanto bajado. <laughs> You know, type of thing. So, so, so it's always there. And not to mention, um, obviously, like for marriage, you know, it's like the the living longer obviously pays off. Um, so how, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Do I don't know. I don't know when I to mean, start. 
I mean, like for me, for me, the thing is I try to find different points to motivate my work, myself with people tend to look at it way too far in the future as to, man, I want to be like this. When I get to this point, I tell them just take, you know, small steps, you know, for instance, right now, the 4th of July, that's the only goal I have right now. You know, it's only a few weeks away and it's, it's simple, you know, just eat a little bit cleaner. And if you get the chance, because just like you, I have no motivation. And that's something that I used to have back then. Now I'm standing at work doing what I'm doing. And I have all these plans. When I get home, I'm going to clean the yard. I'm going to organize the garage. I'm going to start drawing, you know, the, the blueprint for the bar. I'm going to organize the room. And as soon as I walk through those doors, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to shower and relax. I go to the man cave, watch TV. And then I realize that I didn't do absolutely nothing. Yeah, and so, that'd be me, like, on, on the weekends, for example. Like, all right, I'll take Saturday mornings and do everything I got to do. You know, like, go do the laundry, go pick up, um, like, uh, five gallons things of water, bring them here to the house, do chores, do everything. So then that way I can just go to the computer and play, you know? And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, if I didn't play, then what would I be doing with my time? Hopefully some you know, positive and, and health wise. <laughs> I mean, what I tell people is like, if you're not going to do it for yourself, if that's not working for you, because obviously everything we do, we do it for ourselves. You know, at some point, regardless who's in your life, you have to do it for you first because nobody's going to do it for you. So let's say, you know, in Diego's case, it would be for his kids, you know, because obviously his kids need them, you know, for as long as he's going to live because that, that's their dad. They need him, they love him, and he's part of their life. In your case, you know, you're married, you have the stepdaughter just like me, and they also need us, you know, so if we're not going to yeah. do it for ourselves, we got to use them as motivation. You know, maybe they're not doing it, or maybe they don't need it, or whatever the case is, but that's at least what's helping me out. It's like, okay, if I can't get motivated, then the images I put in my head is like, man, when I go to the beach, I want to feel a little better. When I want to go, when I go out to my yard, I want it to look nice, because when, when people come over, Oh, they're gonna be like, "Wow, man, it looks great!" And you get that feedback. So I'm trying to use other people to find my own motivation to get. There. And sometimes it has to be by force, man. You take that one step before you know it is two or three. The hardest part is just starting. Realistically, is just starting anything. Once you get in the groove of it, it's a lot easier, you know. And that is as true. Right? Like, yeah. Once you once you get past that initial state, it does flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you're like, man, I need to do this realistically, what's stopping you? And I mean that in general. Like, just let me get to it. Let me stop BSing. And as far as things as me trying to change, one thing I, I'm still surprised to this day is my reaction to everything growing up. And, you know, like I said before, I, I think that was just what was shown to me. That was the right way, you know, blowing up at people, getting pissed off, destroying things. And no joke, ashamed of that guy you know, that, that I used to be the person that I am now. I, I am very happy of who I am now. I am definitely more comfortable. I've learned that being an introvert is okay. You know, you're not any different than other people. You know, you, you definitely your time. And for people like us that our minds are always working, you know, with anything, because three of us are the most creative out of the four let's just be 
real with that. And we're always thinking about things, whether it's video games, whether it's design, whether it's, you know, whatever I'm building, but our minds are always going. So for us to take that time to ourselves is just to recharge because there's so much constant noise, you know, when there's people around, when we're in our own mind, mm -hmm. that we just need that one place to be like, you know what, let me just relax. Let me recharge. Let me get that energy back. And then I'll go back. And that's what I tend to do, like in a literal way, like I, when people come over and that's something that I'm not technically being forced to do, but just like one of the things that we talked about was being conscious of what's going on. And, you know, that's something that you're definitely getting into the, we you know, with a musing, you know, on, on your podcast about just taking that moment and just realizing what's going on. And that's something that I've, I've gotten it. I put in my head to do, and it's become a lot easier. And when we have family over, like I said, you know, I, I like to be by myself, but I'm like, you know what? Family's coming over. I definitely don't care for it. But the crazy thing is that once they're here is like, I'm conscious of the situation. I'm like, you know what? Let me enjoy this time that we're here and just make the best of it. If for whatever reason I need to take my break, I'll go up, take a five, 10 minutes and I'll come right back down and, and apply that. And that's what Ingrid has definitely helped me with. And that's just being more sociable, being more comfortable in groups settings. Not that I'm uncomfortable. I just honestly don't care, you know, like it's not conversations like the ones that you and I have. And well, Louis, you've seen that I can do okay in the group scenario, you know, like for instance, for your toast, you know, a hundred people and, and I was okay, you know? Yeah. And but when it comes to like being in the group with things that don't really matter to me, I'm also trying to be more conscious of that. And even if you're talking to me about something I may not know about or I really don't care for, I'm going to be there 100%. So that's something that I'm working on. I'm trying to just be, like I said, more conscious of the situation, being more aware, making every minute count. That That's why I also went to Port Charlotte because I honestly wasn't going to go. I was going to stay here. And I'm like, finally, I get time to myself. I actually get to sleep. But I'm like, man, I'm going to be missing out on who knows what. And therefore, I didn't want to go. But I was conscious of the situation. Let me pack my stuff. You know, just doing it. I didn't want to do it, but I told myself, just do it. I packed, I went. And to my surprise, I had a freaking blast. And if they would have done everything that we did without me there, I would have been like, damn, that freaking missed out. Why? Because I didn't push myself. So I think that's something that I would definitely continue working on is just being more more there with everybody and anything going on at that time so Lou, you definitely got to find that inspiration just for for you or for them or for whoever man yeah you're right man you're right you know one brother to another you know it's just I, I care about you and i love you man and i want you to like just be healthy mainly <laughs> just that <laughs> i could care less how you guys look it's just a better freaking being here for a long time <laughs> Yeah. So anything else you guys want to add before uh, we close it up? Um, so I think that, you know, like people, when it comes to personalities, I think that people tend to be like so stuck in their own heads about it and in their own personalities that it's very easy to start looking at other people and other personalities, especially like the personalities are more like on the fringe or the more quirky personalities and it's real easy to start judging them as if 
there's something wrong with them, right? Right. <clears throat> like beyond just the introvert versus extrovert thing, which happens a lot. Um, but I think that we should all kind of take a step back and not be quick to judge another person based on temperament or personality, you know, like there's, there's a whole world in that brain and there's a whole set of experiences and there's a whole, you know, history in there before you make any judgments, learn that first, you know, see what's going on in that person's life and mind and et cetera, before you say, ah, this person is just, you know, they're antisocial or they are, uh, or they're just, you know, superficial or they're, you know, they're, he's a clown or whatever it is that people, you know, whatever conclusions people draw, be a little bit more merciful, you know, and I, you know, just go, go the extra mile to peek inside their mind before you draw too many conclusions about them. Sometimes it could be just a thing of sort of matter of circumstance, you know, someone's going through some real, real shit. It affects the way that they present themselves, the, their personality, their way of being. Yeah, that's true. And you could easily go around passing judgment, you know, unfairly. I think, you know, society needs more of that, more of that tolerance and a bit more mercy. Yeah, definitely. You know, you'd be surprised what you get to know from, from many different people. Like you said, you know, we jump to to conclusions or judgment and and, you know, you don't know what they're going through. Some people are better at just putting their their feelings aside and just showing you that happy, mm -hmm. you know, go lucky person. And there's just some that, you know, show up to work on happy and miserable. And, you know, we, we put it on them, but we really don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, like, I'm sure you just like, I have been judged as to, you know, we just, yeah, like you say, we're not, we're not sociable. We're antisocial and like, you know, we're just angry or whatever, but we're really not. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of caught up in our own head, you know, just daydreaming. Right. At least for me, that's what happens. Oh, for sure. Lou, anything you want to add or tell the listeners any recommendations, suggestions, things to try? Um, things to try. That may have helped guess, you become the person that you are. Um, don't be afraid to ask the girl out. Don't be <laughs> afraid to uh, be the center of attention. You know, if you've never done it, try it. You don't know. I like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Plain and simple. All right, guys. Well, I think with this, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. So we're going to cheer to the fact that, you know, we continue growing. Our personalities are still developing at the age of uh, 37. And Lou, I know your birthday is at the end of the year, but you'll get that. <laughs> um, we'll wait for you on the 37th floor, man. <laughs> So definitely, you know, for sure, just like D said, you know, don't be out there judging people. Get to know everyone. Everyone has a story. Everyone is the way there is because they are because of things that happen in their life. You know, not everybody has the same growing up. So just take chances and uh, be aware of what your life is. Try different things. So please do us a favor. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram. If you have any topics, suggestions, if you have any questions for us, if there's anything that, you know, maybe we didn't cover, uh, please, you know, just anything is welcome. And we really appreciate you guys listening. So guys, cheers to episode number seven. 
Cheers. Cheers. So unfortunately, our fourth man is not here. I guess he's having trouble finding that milk. He's stuck, he's stuck <laughs> <Yeah>. in traffic. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, take care. Thank you for joining us at the table, and we'll catch you on the next episode. So till then, drop that beat. Remember to subscribe or follow the shows on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. You can also keep up with the guys on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.